0: Okay, Psalm 139, we're going through a series of looking at um, just some of the psalms, and to say, if there's any uh, other, only the young ones I think have gone out, so if there's any other people who want to do uh, some colouring, which is related to today's message, Uh, we can include adults as well, if you want to do some colouring, instead of listen to me, you're welcome to do that. So I think um, Ruth's got the materials over there, so please go and grab them from, from Ruth, and yeah, th- and thank you for doing that for us. Right, Psalm 139 is a wonderful psalm. And uh, I've given it this title, which is not original, um, but I think it's a great, a great uh, explanation of what this psalm is about. Fully known, deeply loved. Fully known, deeply loved. And um, I've been, I may have used, made reference to this in the sermon recently. If it wasn't here, it was somewhere else. But Kim and I read um, a book on marriage uh, fairly recently. Uh, We thought we needed to uh, do some uh, sort of uh, encouragement in terms of our marriage. And uh, we read this book by Tim Keller, The Meaning of Marriage, which is a great book and we'd recommend it to you. And this is one of the things he says in the book. Um, To be loved but not known Is comforting but superficial. In other words, if somebody says they love you but they don't really know you, then what's their love all about? To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. That's why we want people to like us, isn't it? We're worried that they might not like us. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, it's a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense humbles us out of our self righteousness and fortifies us for any difficulty that life can throw at us. Now he's talking about marriage and of course specifically there, but he has this line in the middle there. To be fully known and truly loved, well, that's a lot like being loved by God. Fully known and truly loved. And that, I think, is what Psalm 139 is all about. About a God who knows us completely, yet deeply loves us. And that's what we're going to look at fairly quickly this morning. So we're going to go through this at a fair old rate. There's much more that I'm sure could be said. So Psalm 139 is divided up into four sections of six verses, right? That's how it's written. That's probably how it appears in the Bible in front of you. And I've given each of these sections a title, which I think is what they're basically about. And there we have them. I don't know if the people on Zoom can see this. They probably can. But the first one is, The God Who Knows Me Completely. The God Who Knows Me completely the first six verses God knows everything God knows everything we use a lovely big word for that don't we as some of you will know we talk about God being omniscient omniscient he knows everything That means that God knows everything about us. But it's not that God just has something like a medical record. Ah, here's Andrew Conlon, born in Mastering Hospital in Birmingham, 13th of March, 1956, and then, oh yes, oh yeah, he went to Borsley Green Junior School, and from there he went over. God doesn't just know all the facts about us, he does. But this tells us that he actually knows us intimately. The first verse says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. That word for search in the Hebrew is is a word that was used for digging down. Like when somebody was mining for gold. That means they really dig down deep. They're not just looking at the surface, they're not just looking at the exterior, they're looking beyond, beneath, and below that, and that's how God sees us. He he searches down, and therefore He knows us personally, and He knows our hearts. That's a scary thing, isn't it, to think that God knows our hearts. Even in our closest relationships, even in our relationships with our spouses or family members, the truth is, (laughs) the truth is we try to hide some things. There are some things that we're not so willing to disclose, or rather would not be seen or known. We're not 100% transparent, but we are to God and David goes on to say doesn't he he knows about he says you know about my activity my coming and my going you know what i do you know my words he says but he says you know my words before i speak them right god knows what i say before i say it because he knows my thoughts and my motivations my attitudes I don't know about you, if the truth be known, there's there's plenty of times, sorry, not plenty of times, there are sometimes. I don't want to overstate, sometimes I'm in conversation with people and as I'm talking to them I think things. I think things about them perhaps, but I don't say them (laughs) because I don't want to upset them or I don't want them to think badly of me or whatever else, so I, I don't say them. But with God... God knows the things that I say and the things that I don't say. He knows me. God knows the real you and the real me. And God is actively involved. This is a psalm of David, I think perhaps written towards the end of his life. And the psalmist David knows that God is actively involved involved in his life in verse 5 he says you hem me in behind and before you've laid your hand upon me we look after the grandchildren we'll be looking after them again this week i almost said unfortunately but i'll be in trouble if i said that and the grandchildren of course when you're looking after little children then you have to watch them all the time don't you And you're constantly either running after them to stop them doing something or to make sure they don't run into the stream at the park and all the rest of it. And you do that not because you want to spoil their lives, hem them in like that, but because you know you need to do that to look after them. And that's, I think, what this is, what David is saying about God here. God knows him. God looks after him. God puts his hand of blessing upon his life. And David says in verse 6, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. This is amazing. That God knows me. And he wants to bless me. The second six verses. The God who is with me continually The God who is with me continually. There is no corner of this world, there's no area of the cosmos, so when you look up into the sky and you see just a bit of our cosmos, a bit of our universe, there's no area where God is not present. That's what the Bible teaches us. That God is everywhere all of the time. He's present everywhere. So that means that God is with me wherever I go. And David says, doesn't he, wherever I go, your right hand, in verse 10, your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. You're there to look after me. Perhaps David's looking back over his life and he thinks that when he was a shepherd, And how God was with him, whether he was a shepherd and he looked after those sheep and helped him protect the flock from the lions and the bears that came along. Or maybe he's thinking of when he fought with Goliath and all he got was a few stones and Goliath had got all this, this great big man with all this armor and God was there with him. Or when he wanted to kill Nabal out out of his anger, but God stopped him from killing him. Or when he became king, or whatever. But David's looking back through his life and he's seen how God was always present with him, held unto him. And then in verse eleven it says, Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me. Even the dark but even the darkness not will not be dark to you. Even in darkness, or what we perceive as darkness. God is present. There will be dark times in our lives, won't there? We've thought in one sense of one this morning for uh, the passing of Morris. That is a dark time for those that knew him and loved him. Yeah? And there will be dark times for each of us. But God is still present with us in the darkness. Perhaps also darkness talks about those times that we try to escape from God, hide from God. Either because we want to choose and go our own way or because we've done that and we're now facing the consequences, maybe the shame of having done that. We think, don't we, of Adam and Eve. What do they do after they do what they know they've been told not to do? What do they do? They go and hide And God comes looking for them, doesn't he? He says, where are you? Where are you? God knew where they were, of course. They weren't, because the truth is they couldn't hide from God. And we can't hide from God. We might want to hide at times for those reasons. But we can't actually hide from him. I've probably used this illustration as well before. That we had, you know, our three-year-old grandson, Finn, like most little kids, he likes playing hide and seek. And when he h- hides, he's very simple about these things. He thinks that if he hides and he can't see you, then you can't see him. So as long as his head is hidden, as far as he's concerned, is hidden. The fact that the rest of his body is sticking out from underneath the table or from behind the curtain, he doesn't get that. <laughs> he doesn't get it. He thinks he's hiding, but he's not. He thinks he's hidden rather, and he's not. And that's the truth about us. We think we may be hiding from God, but we're not hidden at all. Not at all. He sees us. But the wonderful, the wonderful truth of the Gospel, in fact, the whole of Scripture, isn't it, is right, right from the beginning, from Adam and Eve onwards, men have sinned, men have gone their own way, people like us have chosen to ignore God, and yet what does God do? God comes looking for us. God pursues us. Why? Because he loves us. God comes looking. The God who's with me continually. Thirdly, the God who made me wonderfully. The God who created everything, made you and me. God... Saw you in the womb before you were born. You know how everybody everybody takes these little pictures of the scans that they have now, don't they? When they're having a baby and they sometimes use those to announce the news that they're having a baby. They send a picture of the scan out. Well, God had you scanned every day from the time of your conception up until your birth. And he's seen you every day since and what's more he now sees we read every day that you have until your last day he sees it all he knew that morris's last day was going to be yesterday or this morning he knows we don't know we don't know if we'll all be here next week or if something might have happened to one or more of us we don't know do we but god knows He knows from the time that we were conceived right through to our final breath. And you are wonderfully made, it says in verse 14. Now sometimes we look at ourselves and we don't think that, but we are wonderfully made. We are absolutely amazing people. When you think what our bodies can do, we were talking last night, our brains, even for those of us who don't think we're very brainy, our brains are amazing Your brain is capable of almost, if this is not a a wrong use of words, almost infinite storage. The amount that your brain can store, now you won't remember it, I can't even remember good friends' names these days, never mind anything else. But actually, the amount of knowledge that is stored in here, and for some of you, far much more than in here, I'm sure... ...is amazing, because your brain is just so powerful. Those are blood vessels. Very pretty, aren't they, actually? Very pretty. You've got lots of those inside you, aren't you? Because your blood vessels carry the oxygen, they carry the nutrients, they carry the antibodies that they need, they get rid of the waste, and I don't understand anything about science, really, but, but I know it's very clever. Okay, so how, if we were to open up little Pippa here and lay out all her blood vessels one by one in a long line, how long would it stretch? How long would Pippa's blood vessels reach? Any ideas? Come on you lot, you're meant to be listening. Give me a guess. Chris, how long? A mile, A mile? any, any up on a mile? I think you need to go up a bit. What? Um, Yeah, you're you're about right, I think. Or is it three times? It's about 60,000 miles worth of blood vessels. (laughs) And Chris is about 100,000 miles of blood vessels, all right, as an adult. You are wonderfully made, and we could go on, couldn't we, about the facts of your body. But it's not just that we're wonderfully physically made, but we're all unique. Unique, there is only one Philippa, thank goodness. No, 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 we love Philippa. I won't pick on you anymore, I promise. There is only one of each of us in the whole wide world. And each of us are made in the image of God. We are amazing. That's why we need to be reminded that's why every person matters every person matters whether they think they do whether their family think they do they matter to God they're precious to him and God has known us and He's loved us all the way through our lives. The Father loves all His children. And in reflecting on this, oh, there it says sixty thousand. In response to this, David says, "Didn't say these words, but I think this is what He's talking about: the God that I want to walk with humbly." David wants to know God. That means for him that he doesn't want to associate with the wicked. He doesn't want to get, he doesn't want to get dragged into what they're doing. He doesn't want to be, become involved in the evil ways that they're living. That's why he says, away from me. But more than that, in those last two verses, he asks God, doesn't he? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, test me, lead me. David wants to walk with God. He knows that this is a God who knows him, who loves him, a God who can be trusted, A God who he can commit his life to. And he asks God to reveal himself. Reveal David to himself. Show me, Lord. Search me. That word again, search. Dig down beneath the surface. And if there's anything in me that offends you, if there's anything in the way that I'm living, if there's anything that upsets you, then show me it, because I want to deal with it. Because I want to walk with you humbly. Are we willing to pray that prayer? In the light of who God is and how he knows us, how he's with us, how he's made us. Am I willing to say this, search me, O God, know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way, everlasting. That, brothers and sisters, that is the right response to the God that David knew and talks about in Psalm 139. May that be true.